You guys ready? Good morning and welcome to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. I am your host, Leo Landaverde with Greenland, and I have my co-host, Claudine, here. Say hello. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful Saturday, and I am. Uh, I had the best cup of Salvadorian coffee anybody can buy. Yeah. And uh, I had it today, and I'm feeling Did wonderful. You? And I know you have some of my Salvadorian coffee. So. No, I don't. Not anymore. Well, you finished it all in one we, week. We did. We Well, it wasn't quite one week, but we <laughs> do drink um, a lot of coffee around our house. And then when we, I, this coffee was absolutely off the hook. I mean, you, you this was uh, like... Hun, make a second pot. So how do Good. you guys, okay, so for if you're listening to this show, we, we do talk a lot of business, but right now we're talking about coffee and I think that's a very important <laughs> topic to discuss for those. If you don't re, if you don't drink coffee, it's hard to relate to me, but if you drink coffee, you, I'm your best friend. Right. Anyway, so coffee, you know that in the way that it is prepared um, in El Salvador, it's, 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 it's sort of either French pressed. Okay. Um, because you don't want to burn the coffee. Right. Or you can do this pour over. You know, okay. you, and start, most coffee in the U.S. is burnt. It comes out burnt. By the time you taste, that's why it's bitter. Right. Coffee is not supposed to be bitter. I'll tell you. You don't need to have sugar. And it was so light. It is light. Why? Because in it's color. not burnt. It's uh, it's funny because I I drink dark roast. I right. want my coffee to be super dark, super super, super strong. <laughs> and when you look at the coffee grounds, they're black. Yeah. And um, when that's I light. opened this coffee that you brought, and it was so light brown, I thought, uh oh, is it going to be dark enough? And sure enough, it was delicious. So I still have, so we're going to have to get a shipment. Um, anyway, so we got a great show for you today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We love the feedback, and um, the feedback is great. And um, today's show, for those who are, of you who are taking notice, how technology is changing the way we do business. Right, but before that, I have some news. Yes. Coors Beer is no longer in Colorado. Did you know that? What? Yes. The Rocky Mountain is and so. Yeah. What's going to happen to my can of beer that had? It won't look the same. What What happened? We won't have no more Rocky Mountain. Um, no more commercials with Rocky Mountain spring water. Um, the beer giant has decided to move from Colorado to Chicago. Say it is. They are so. going to be a downtown beer. What? Yep. What? 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 what just um, you know, just changes in the business model. It, it appears that for whatever reasons they decided that that would be a better better plan and they employ 2300 people in Colorado and they will um, about 300 of those employees will work in Denver and most of them will be offered jobs at the and a relocation package to go to Chicago although I have to say if I'm living in Colorado I'm not sure I want to move to Chicago it's mm. such a huge change mm. wow I mean Denver Denver's a big city but Denver's not Chicago come on yeah well, good. I've been to Denver, but what a beautiful airport they have there. Yeah. Isn't that one of the largest airports in the U.S.? I would guess. It's brand. It's fairly new. I would guess. So, okay, so that's so, an update. There um, you now, coffee to beer. Any more updates on the legal side? You know, um, well, we had a really interesting one here in California where uh, Walmart was sued, and Walmart was sued for putting products in packages that were too large. And a number of our district attorneys throughout the state of California got together and sued Walmart, claiming that Walmart was deceiving the um, the purchaser by having products in these oversized packages, um, thereby insinuating that the product, that you were getting more than what you were getting. And then people would open up the packages and find out there was just a little small amount of whatever the product. And these were all Walmart brand things. Walmart has its own brand called Equate. Um, mm, and, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. They came in and Walmart has agreed to pay $495,000 to multiple counties throughout California that were involved with the lawsuit. Um, all over, basically, the, the district attorneys were claiming that it was deceptive. So there you wow. go. That's just a little. I don't think that the consumers are going to actually see any of that money. I think the money is going to be going to the district attorneys or the, the various counties through that the district attorneys work for. Uh, I'm not sure that the consumer is going to actually see that. But interesting. Fresno is one of those counties. Wow. 
Jeez. So, okay, let's change gears. Um, let's change gears. So, so there, today's show is about really there's changes going on in technology. And, and really, if you're a business owner, you need to be really paying attention to what's going on around you. Right. And, and a lot of this technology is going to allow you to um, be far more efficient. Um, a lot of it is good. And shrink liability, my favorite thing. The, oh, yes. the less liability, the better. Does that help us increase profit, which is my favorite It part? always does. In the long run, for sure. In the long run, for sure. So the, you, you, you gave me a couple of articles for us to discuss today and um, in, interesting stuff. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I kind of thought the, the, the AI platform mm. would be a really good, interesting thing. So okay. this is really interesting because what, a lot of times... We've done a number of shows where we've discussed employees and the value, the asset that employees are to a business, um, and and how do you continue to keep them an asset and not have it actually cross over to the debit side of the column, as you would say. Whereas the the liab the employees are becoming a li- coming a liability, um, and a lot of times we lose that when morale goes down, maybe some changes within the company are not received well by employees, um, employees kind of banding together and it becomes us versus them mentality. I have seen management do that on a number of occasions, a number of companies I've worked with um, where it really is an us versus them mentality and it's coming from the management side. Um, I think the the union model also kind of sets up that us versus them mentality um, mm. where, you know, management is on one side of the, the, the game, on one side of the field and employees are on the other side. And then that the, it creates this natural um, adversarial position where it's us versus them. So one of the new groundbreaking technologies that I came across was um, a new AI platform that uh, the inventor refers to as the MRI scanner of your organizational health. And it allows you to have an ongoing interaction with your employees on a daily, multiple time daily um, uh, basis so that you can keep in touch with your employees. You keep a bead on the morale. You keep... um, an, uh, an idea of how they're doing at any given time. Whereas prior to this type of a platform, what um, employers were utilizing was a couple times a year, they'd maybe have a retreat or they'd use surveys. Um, you know, a lot of times that's an invitation to complain. And so does management actually take the survey seriously because they've got 15 complaints in it and they kind of just throw it in the round basket and go, yeah, whatever, these people are just complaining. Um, so I thought this was really an, an, an interesting development. You know, um, Gosh, uh, I've been having conversations. I think technology evolves out of some pain point, right? Um, can we agree on that? Like, yes. th- th- there's a technology innovation whenever we hit a roadblock in, in, in business. You know, in business, is a lot, a lot of the uh, advance in society happens. It's, it's business. It's for profit. You know, it's it's, <laughs> a, and you can you can argue all the ways that nonprofits actually contribute, and there's a lot of great and there's a lot of good. But a lot of the biggest innovations happen for profit, right? right? There's a need in the market. Something happens. And I see this. We're in a collision course between the ever-increasing needs to take care of the aging population or employee population, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. And uh, which drives up wages. And businesses trying to reduce labor costs right. without having to increase pricing because at some point something has got to give. Right. Right. So we're on this collision course and there's this artificial intelligence, this machine learning technology. And, you know, and you and then you get, you know, here um, luminaries like Elon Musk that talks about, you know, the advent of AI and how that's going to change the world. Right. What think, does it mean for employees? Well, I think a lot of it is um, right off the bat, we all have a fear. AI. Oh, my God. It's going to take over. It's, Terminator. It, yeah. It's thinking for itself. It's going to grow. It's going to, you know, pretty soon we're going to lose control of We're going to have a singularity. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I, so I think it, I really like to see innovations like this because to me, this isn't necessarily AI where it's thinking for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way, it really is. So this particular inventor uses four types of data analytics. Descriptive, which tells you what's happening in the business. Diagnostic, which determines the cause of the problem. Predictive, which determines what's likely to happen. Prescriptive, which offers strategies for improvement. And so employees can interact with this um, system and answer 
questions, you know, input information to whatever extent they want. It's there, it's available, and it's they're asking actually employees to, you know, to really take time to engage with it. And when this system receives that information, it starts to compile it and contrast it and kind of accumulate it. And, and it uses these four data analytics in the end, which, again, descriptive, what's going on, diagnostic, what's the cause of the problem, predictive, what's going to happen next, and prescriptive, how can we remedy it? Really, really amazing stuff. And I think if you, particularly if you have a large company, if you can employ something like this um, in, a, in a technology base, that you, um, you could really have a beat on what's going on in your organization. I think this is going to put me out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it didn't say anything about numbers <laughs> or calculations. No, but, 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 but just, yeah, I, I think what, um, we're moving into a stage in which you're going to be paid, uh, people like us, you know, you and me are going to be paid to be more consultative and really be ahead of the curve of companies. But stay tuned. We got a lot more packing in for you. Uh, and Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine will be right back. Welcome back. We're talking about artificial intelligence and what it means for your business or how is technology going to help you in your business make more money and be sustainable. Right. Well, and we all know that if we keep our employees happy and they're engaged and they're producing, um, then business is more profitable. And just end end of the day. You know, I, 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 I take, I like to keep things simple and I always land on the balance sheet, you know, assets, liabilities plus equity. Everything around you as a business owner could be an asset or liability, depends on how you treat it. Right. Right. I think a lot of us, I have come to the conclusion that a lot of us really underestimate or don't take care of our human assets. Right. Your employees. Right. Our employees. I know you do a really great job making sure that we're treating them right, that we're obeying the laws, uh, but are we training them? Are we helping them be all they can be, no pun intended? So, I think if we don't do a good job with our human assets, they're going to leave you. They're going to leave us, right? And where do we go from there? Well, this this is why I chose this particular piece of technology to talk about because this particular piece of technology is like a listening device. And an employee can go to this device anytime they want. They can engage with it. The more they engage, the more... Um, this technology develops its resolutions and mm-hmm. identifies problems. And so the more the employees engage, the more data it has. So it's, it's, it's learning. So that's where the AI piece comes in. So it's machine, machine learning. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. And so it, it helps companies reveal things like stress, frustration, burnout. Once their company is aware of the problem, then they can develop ways to retain the employee or maybe change the frustration, change the s- stress levels. Um, it saves a lot of dollars in the process. It becomes a listening device, a listener. And I don't want to say listening device like a recording device, but if we all had time to sit with our employees at a moment's notice and just listen to them, just listen. This is what I'm frustrated about. This is what's not working for me. Um, you know, the school has changed the hours that my child has to has to go to school. And now, you know, it's completely shifted my entire um, you know, commute to work and so on and so forth. And I'm frustrated. And if you knew that about your employee, then you could say, well, hey, we, maybe we shift your schedule or we do this and, you know, come up with solutions to, to resolve the problem. But too often as business owners, we just don't have that kind of time to sit down and literally listen to employees at the drop of a hat. Mm. Um, and so this is really interesting because it gives the employer that opportunity to put this in place of them, they can listen to them, but it's also reactive. It's it's developing it's developing resolutions and predictions. How much is that? This this little piece you, of you know, uh, technology I cost. I wasn't able to determine a price, but I can tell you that this particular one was developed by um, a guy who had thirteen hundred employees. So it's wow. a pretty pretty good sized company. Yeah. But what we're going to see is we're going to see this these type of technologies. Are going to continue to develop, and they're going to be more available for the smaller, smaller, you know, companies. 
Great. Um, no, I, I, I really like it. I mean, I think is um, we as business owners have to strike a balance between keeping our eye on what's going on today, right? Making sure that we uh, the wheels are not going to come off, right? If, know, the, if, the I could, if I could just at a moment's notice log into a system and have it show me, um, you know, what my staff is thinking, what my staff has been feeling over the course of the last week, um, you know, multiply that exponentially if you have larger businesses and you could, you know, at a moment's notice, you know, be able to tap into you know, what your employees are thinking and feeling at any given moment. That's huge. You could also identify key employees. You could also identify um, problem employees. You can identify employees that come to the system with a resolution or with a suggestion or with something positive versus those who are coming to the system with nothing but negative. You know, happy. it goes back to this thing I learned a long time ago. Happy employees don't leave. Right, Unhappy employees not just leave; they're going to hurt you right. as they leave. Right. So, if you're thinking about it, not, not not all of our listeners right now have a company with 1,300 employees, no, but this will be but coming the down. Principle remains mm-hmm. right? right. How do you? You only have 24 hours in a day, right? Right. And if you are your typical business owner who are between 35 and 55, and I'm sick. I'm speaking for the the bulk. You have a bunch of employees to to manage in the office, and you have a family to run at home, and you only have X amount of hours. How do you do everything? I think it's just using technology to leverage your time. Right. You know, you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't have the energy or time to utilize it, you're back to square one. It's what I think what we all want, Claudine, is discretionary time. Time to do what we want. And have a business that is operating with happy employees that are giving you feedback. I think I'm all pro I'm all in pro of using the technology and and I really like to see what this is there's a there's a dark side to this, but there's a lot of good benefits if you just come in at well informed, don't just do your own research and everything you do. Don't just take somebody's word for it. Well, it's amazing that somebody has recognized that what we really need um, is another you know person, a clone of us, who can just go through the business day in and day out and listen to the employees. Right. And basically, that's yeah. what he's created is something that listens to the employees, identifies the problems predicts and uh, develops re- resolutions and then predicts results. Now, is this like a, are we talking about like a, 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 pers- a, a you know, I'm thinking like a dummy, like you know, the car sits in a desk. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's like an app in it's the system. App. So it's, it's a computer, it's, yeah. a, it's a SaaS uh, software as a service type thing. Exactly. And you interact with it? The employees do. And they, inter- so it records or it watches. It, and or, the more the employees engage with this app, the more data the app has and the more efficient it becomes. So again, if you have a larger body of employees, then this is really super fantastic because you can really gain a lot of data and you can recognize problems within your company that are across the board, whereas you might, might not have ever known that. That you know the the bathrooms are located on the second floor, so the first floor, like literally everybody in the company hates that. Wow. So, oh, okay. If, if it would make everybody's day happier if we just you know put a set of bathrooms downstairs. So what else? What other ASOS and where this thing about technology? What else do you see in your crystal ball, Claudine? Well, another one that really jumped out at me was this. Um, this company has developed a product called Sober Eye. So for employers who are in the construction industry or in the industry where they have employees running machines um, mm. or that manufacturing or they have employees running power tools or you know climbing on roofs or you know swinging off of scaffolding one of the things that they're constantly worried about is obviously worker comp injuries. Right. So what we have found that Primarily what causes employees to be paired are a combination of lack of sleep, alcohol, marijuana, or prescription drugs. Those are the top four. That impair, top that, four. That impair employees, none of which are illegal, particularly here, here in California. Right. So as an employer, you're walking on a very rocky road when you are trying to drug test employees. Um, you know, a couple years ago, we had a, mm. um, a new ruling come, come down that um, in it used to be where whenever there was an accident, automatically uh, employees got drug tested. And now we've had a new regulation that came out. Well, it's not new. It's a couple of years old at this point. But it said that we can't just automatically drug test them. 
unless there is some causal relation between an impairment and the accident. And the, the example that they used was if an employee got stung by a bee, you could not go take them and automatically drug test them. The bee sting is an injury, no question, but there's no causal relation between that and any kind of drug use or potential drug use or alcohol use or, or anything like that. So you're prohibited from sending them for a drug test. Okay, it opens up this question. Mm -hmm. Now, so it kind of down the line of profiling. So if you're in construction mm -hmm. and if you're a superintendent and you're walking around in the job site mm -hmm. and you see somebody that to you looks like impaired. Right. Okay, do you have the right to drug test that person on the spot? and single them out just because they look impaired? You better be very, very careful. So, and, and I would say no. I would tell them, I would- What would you advise to I, a, I, a business owner in I, construction? I would tell them, have a conversation with them. See if you can't make some more determination. Sometimes you'll get an employee to admit it. Um, I would be very, very careful. Right. There's not a cut and dry answer for that So, for me. So if you have any questions and you need to call, need to call you. Well, yeah, and, and each, each situation is going to be. I know, but but the, the point is that don't assume anything, okay. right? Don't profile. No, no, no. Be don't. very careful. Very careful. So this is a very sensitive area, and this just came up. Uh, I should have told you that I had a. This is one client that I like to talk to you about at some point that I want to bring you on because they are with employees and, and job sites, and things happen. Mm -hmm. And the conversation we had, I had with one of my clients, and and there's just something about it that I said, "There's we have to proceed with caution." And where I where I landed was, you can't profile right because that's it's, it's not fair right? right but what but what is the legal basis for anything so we're kind of in this gray area when in doubt talk to your lawyer yes absolutely. right an hr lawyer and i think you're wonderful at that claudine and, and they know we, we you know where do we find you again oh <laughs> funny thing you asked funny you should ask that um we are located at 1101 Standardford avenue in modesto uh, we also are on gear road in turlock and our phone number is 209-427-2200. And you know where to find us at Greenland HQ, the land of green. We are here to add more profit, more value, and more freedom. And isn't that what we all want? You can yes. call our office. We serve the entire state. Um, anyway, so it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. But back to this, you cannot assume. Don't. Right. This is when dealing with this matters that could be legal don't be so proactive rather you know don't be so reactive you rather be proactive right? right and call don't react i think a lot of business owners are very over they can get overzealous mm -hmm. and in, a, and in an effort to drive revenue they will do things and they will push people so hard to the brink Right, and I think you got to be careful. But this, I really like this sober eye. Thing. So the sober eye is a real breakthrough technology. It checks an individual's eyes to evaluate the risk of impairment for a variety of factors. So when a police officer pulls you over and he wants to check your eyes or you know check your impairment, checks your eyes, uses right. a light, flashes it in your eyes, um, and and we do that in a, in a number. The doctors do that you mm -hmm. know, immediately when you come in. They want to check your eyesight. They flash a light at you. So. This will, um, it will detect a impairment through fatigue, alcohol, and legal and illegal, um, even prescription jugs. Um, they don't look for the cause. They're just looking for the effect. And I think that, that this is the liability thing here. This, mm -hmm. is, this is where we just switched out of being a really libelous situation where we could have a problem with an employee because perhaps we're accusing them of being impaired for some reason. We're saying, oh, but you know, you must got to be on drugs or I think you're on drugs or I think you're drunk or, you know, you've been using alcohol, which could really create a problem for the employer from the employee where at this point we're not worried about what the cause is. We're just worried about the fact that you're impaired. And that's simply the only conversation we need to have is, no, I don't want you on the scaffolding because I believe you're impaired based on my technology. Um, and it's not based on my opinion. It's not based on, you know, the color of your skin or the fact that um, maybe you're female and you're on a job site and I have a problem with females on job sites. We just completely skip over all of those scenarios that are um, just chuck full of liability. Here's an interesting fact. Um, uh, you know, I saw numbers. I had to speak about it. Right. But, uh, industry data shows that accidents that require medical intervention cost the company $40,000 on average. 
Um, and according to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the U.S. employers pay an estimated $1 billion per week for direct workers' comp costs alone. Can you imagine what it does to the modification rate? So has a, it, it, it's like a domino effect. Absolutely. Right? Somebody is impaired, and whether intended or unintended, they get hurt, it's going to affect everybody. The, the interesting thing that um, some of the companies that are using this technology are actually using it after hours before employees go home. It takes a minute oh. to see if employees are fine to drive home. So if you work at a restaurant that opens late, um, and you know, so you can be impaired if you're tired. That, well, that's the whole thing, is is so many times employees are in, accused of being impaired for this, that, and the other reason, when it just fatigue. Maybe they've worked a whole bunch of shifts, back to back to back. True story, so Law what? enforcement. Law enforcement. Classic. You know what? It's, a lot of us can, you know, <clears throat> sometimes this, this seems to be this love-hate relationship with the you know, law enforcement across the, the U.S. and sometimes, some I think more often than not, uh, police officers are portrayed, you know, as, as the bad people. But I had a situation that happened to me many years ago, and I was actually coming off a very late shift on a graveyard shift. In the early days, when I was just out of college, I couldn't find a job, California, 1993. And I was coming off a shift, and I was dead tired, and I should have just stopped uh, you know, just because I was, and I, a, a couple miles me driving, I was just, you know, when you go to the center lane, mm-hmm. anyway, and then a police officer saw me, and then he pulled me over, and he was very concerned, and he just says, hey, because it was in a, a kind of an industrial area, he says, are you, are you are you just getting off work? And I said, yeah, and, and he, you know, you know what he did? Well, he cleared me, because I, clearly I wasn't, imp- I was tired. He says, you know what, where do you live? So I told him I lived two miles down the road. Mm-hmm. He actually scored me home. Right, that was back in the day. Yes. They, they used to be able to do that. Amazing. So I was grateful. So anyway, hey, we still got a lot to talk about. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Here we are coming back from a break and uh, continuing on with technology in the workplace and some of the new inventions that are coming out and really, really, I think these type of inventions are going to absolutely revolutionize um, and make business owners so much more productive, businesses better and less liable. This, the sober eye is such a breakthrough, I think. Um, and it, again, it's sober eye, like E-Y-E-I, mm-hmm. all one word. That's the name of the product. Um, if you look at what businesses are spending and, and what it's costing between workers' compensation and the injuries that go along with the workers' compensation, it's estimated at $1 billion per week for direct workers' compensation costs alone. So if we can cut some of those worker compensation costs by focusing on impairment and not the cause of the impairment, I mean, it's life-changing, revolutionary to the industry. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sober Eye is attractive um, for large clients or even smaller clients. Um, I think it's really taken off in the law enforcement industry. Um, so, you know, officers can test themselves, um, you know, when they're coming on shift or if, if you've gone on a, a long stretch. And it's just a much better answer than a drug test all the way around. So pretty right. interesting. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Claudine. So where else do you want to take us with this technology thing? Well, I, I really thought it would be great if you um, one of the articles that I ran across was actually what you do. What? And I, I know. So, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But so I, I'm not sure that we've actually ever really talked about kind of holistically what, what, CFO, what you right? do, which is fractional CFO services. Well, let's talk about it. Um, you know, this this is very unique concept because it's a lot of companies. You know, everything that you see in the bigger companies, you know, the, the data reporting, the data points, the, the, the intelligence gathering, the, the, you know, like I imagine, imagine those war rooms when all the executives sit around the boardroom and, and they're making decisions based on, right. based on the, what the future of the company is going to be based on the past and all those fun things that we see in movies like Wall Street and all that with how they, all of that. It's put together by financial analysts and, see, and, and people like me. Right. 
And the problem is the cost associated with having someone to be able to create all that intelligence and the level of studying, you know. Um, so t- t- what is a fractional CFO? A fractional CFO is someone who will be working with a company uh, and devoting an X amount of hours, uh, a block of time per month uh, that would cost you a fraction or what it would cost you to have a CFO working for you full time. Right. Now, in California, where we are, um, and depending on where you are in the state, uh, for you to hire a chief financial officer to really help you get to the next level as a company, and you need to have that intelligence gathering and basically look at the crystal ball and, you know, and tell you where you're going to go, you're going to have to spend anywhere from, you know, 200 to a half a million dollars or more. Right. And a lot of the CFOs, they will want ownership. They will want strategic, um, you know, uh, golden handcuffs if they're employees. And you start really add up the dollars, you know, they can set you back quite a bit. And it's really cost prohibitive. You know, the companies that actually can afford to have a the leadership in the accounting department, which is what a CFO is, is the leader of the accounting department. And then the C-suite, you know, and the chief executive suites, mm-hmm. you got three key positions that all right. publicly traded companies have, and they are the C- chief executive officer, right. the CEO, which is the visionary. Um, and there is the chief operating officer, the one that is basically running the show. But there is one person that gets often neglected or not talked about in the news until something bad happens, and that is the chief financial officer. Right. So Oversees the financial systems. Well, oversees that make sure that we're going to stay alive and thriving and well, not just alive, but thrive. Right. right? So the way I like to explain what the, 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 how the three of them work together is so the C, C, the, C, the, the CEO will say, hey, we're going to go after that market. I totally see us really dominating and really becoming the biggest player and the most profitable player. And we're going to do that by creating all these products or services. And we're going to tweak this. We're going to tweak that. And you, just, you, know, you get excited about the vision because that's where the CEO is the visionary. But sometimes visionary to their own detriment. Mm-hmm. So the CEO will ponder and say, you know, well, wow, that is a great and lofty vision, Mr. CEO. Um, here's how I think we should go about it. And he started breaking down the processes of how you're going to be able to run the business to accommodate the growth and all the vision that the CEO has. Without the CEO, there's no vision. Right. Right. So the COO takes that vision and will turn to me as CFO and says, how are we going to afford that? Right. The CEO says, we want, let's take that hill. We're, let's go. Right? right. The CEO will go, okay, well, here's how I think we're going to do it. And the CFO will go, this is how we're going to afford it. Right. So to have that a, a fully, you know, companies that are between, you know, zero and 15, 20 million, depending on the industry you're in. Uh, between zero and 20 million, don't really need a full-time CFO, although they can, everybody can benefit from it. However, for companies that are growing fast, regardless of the revenue, and there is venture capital involved, right? There is investors, whether angels or venture capitalists, they will demand that there's a CFO running the show on the financial side. And it's funny because you you watch the shows, you know, the, 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 the shows about raising money, right? Like the Shark Tank and, right. and all the shows that, um, and, and all the spinoffs, right? And you're going to see the sharks really looking intently at what the CEO is saying, all these great dreams and lofty visions. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, CFO, what do you think? Can we do that? Why do they do that? It's because the, the way that we are wired when we are a CFO, we're cautiously optimistic. Right. So you want to see proof. I want to see. Well, I want. It's like the doubting Thomas. Okay, I like where you're going, but I need to really play with the numbers to make sure that we're going to be fiscally responsible, not just um, take aim and then have nothing. It's like driving down the freeway without the whole thing that I talk about all the time. Having a dashboard. We love technology, and CFOs and technology go hand in hand. Right. So a fractional CFO is that gap between a company that cannot afford a full-time CFO that you absolutely need to have right, and the, the employee you can't afford, right? But getting that intelligence at a fraction of the cost. Right. There's, there's a market for it, right? And uh, it's really been a huge thing for us. And now we're covering uh, the entire state. You know, there are companies that see, okay, I get it, right? I I. I get into the mind of the CEO and the visionary. I love working with visionaries. And don't get me wrong, 
I am a visionary. Right. But when I'm hired as a CFO, I have to take that different mindset. It's interesting because I think that, that people don't always understand what a CFO does. And and the CFO, yes, is optimistic. Optim- cautiously optimistic. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say it backwards, but, but cautiously optimistic. But at the same time, the CFO oversees, in a traditional company, oversees the finance department, which includes a whole number of things. It includes payroll. It includes accounts receivable. It includes accounts payable. And it includes revenue. So there's a whole bunch of wheels that are turning in the financial department that the CFO oversees all of those. And so when people hire you or somebody like you as a fractional CFO, that's kind of what you're doing is you're overseeing a whole number one, a whole number of the financial elements that are contained within the company. So it's not just you doing bookkeeping, which is kind of recordation of historical activity. Um, Then, then there's the piece of, well, we want to spend this, but then you've got to figure out, well, wait a minute, how do we predict if we're going to have enough money to actually do that? So it's really interesting what you do. And I think this is a huge new thing for small business. I haven't until you, I've never met anybody who, who done this. Correct. And there's just a really, um, in my area, we're the only firm that actually does this. Um, they're in bigger cities, you know, LA, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, we'll have, uh, um, it, a it's kind of an, a handful, but there's not a really big industry. We're sort of at the, at the, for, uh, at the forefront of this revolution right. where w- when business owners demand more than just an accountant, right? they want somebody to think, strategically think it, because I am paid, I am paid to worry for the CEO. Right. So you got two of us worried about it, right? And um, and I'm paid to really anticipate your every need as a C- as, as a business owner. I have to. So it, it, the easiest way to explain what I do is only I worry about only two things. There are two things that CFOs do, and two things only. Do you want to know what those are? Income and outgo. Risk and cash. So, but it's interesting. I think I think when you say that though, you kind of sell. It's short because you're actually doing a whole well, yeah, number but let me, of let me, things. Let me go ahead and dive deeper, right? So risk and cash. <clears throat> cash, the CFO needs to make sure that the company is adequately positioned Correct. in cash for today, six months from now, a year from now, three years from now. The, the, burn, the, the rate that the company is burning their cash, which is your most precious resource, right? Um, it's at an optimal level. We're being very, very profitable. You know, the cash in, you know, your, 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 which is from your accounts receivable and your accounts payable, which is your cash going out. So your expenses versus your income and the, and the delta between is what makes a company very profitable. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to oversimplify it. So I worry that I make sure that the controller, right? So there's the CFO, there's the controller and there's the accounting staff, the account managers, you know, the VP of fine, everybody who is below the CFO it's mining the day-to-day business. Our job is to take from where the controllers is with the, the data, which is the, the gatekeeper of the data, and we have to look into the future. And so we need to make sure that the company, there's only three sources of cash, by the way, generated by the company, number one, which is the one that is the cheapest, right? Number two, you get a loan, you know, bank financing or asset lending, anything that is lent to the company, it's the number two source of cash. Number three is equity. It's the most difficult and most precious. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you partner away with your ownership. Right. It's only three ways that we're going to get cash as a CFO, right? I'm thinking, where is the cash coming from? For today, for tomorrow, three months from now, a year from now, and how are we going to secure it in our financials in order and risk, right? And that's why it did, the, the human resource department falls under the jurisdiction of the CFO because there is the largest expense and the most exposure could be not properly running an HR department, you know, and the staffing and the people and the insurances and and management of the insurance portion, which is how you hedge your bets on risk, right? Right. If you had unlimited funds, you don't need insurance, but we don't live in a different world, Right. right? The way you hedge your bets is the smart way is you use insurance to leverage every dollar you have so you don't have to pay it out of cash. You insure against the future. Right. So that's this whole thing about we want to make sure that the company is optimized as much as it can, get as much cash as you can. But it's incredible to have that service when you're a small business. It's incredible. It, it revolutionizes your business um, to be able to sit down with somebody who 
takes over the analytics of all of those different systems that are the financial systems, particular that are working in your business, and and can sit down and use utilize that to predict and to to develop growth. And you know what? It, it comes down, if you go to our website at greenlandhq.com, it really comes down to three things that you really care about as a business owner. More profit, more value, and more freedom. Right. The number one source of cash is the profit in your business. My number one job is not really keep the cash, it's make you as much cash as possible. So you need somebody like right. me mining your business. Absolutely. I can't tell you, there there are people that I've come across, some of my clients, and, I, and I've thought to myself, oh, I can see what you're missing. And, and sure enough, they um, meet with you and they, they know what they need. All right. Hey, I hope this is helpful to you. We're talking about, we got to come back. We have one more segment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Business and Legal Talk with Leon Claudine. What a fun topic. Technology and business. We're just talking about uh, what CFOs do and how we uh, are here to help you. Um, here, last in the last segment, I think, you know, we get into a, new, a kind of a, uh, a separate but related topic. And, um, you know, how technology is even disrupting. Um, remember what I said about when something something bad happens, technology is is used to disrupt an industry. Right. And one of the industries that is being disrupted as of late is the banking industry. Right. And uh, because of the interesting trend, uh, we just did a show um, last week about immigration and, you know, the right. irreversible trend where things are going. So you have the, the population in the U.S. is shifting, right? And you have uh, a great numbers of people who are, you know, don't have the access to the same resources in banking that rest of the America. I, I kind of look at it as it's like we're we're fractionalizing entire sections of our society. When so, for example, we've talked about the um, the new rule here in California about um, independent contractors. So now, what when when we have changes like that, what it does in in my view is it it breaks down industries into smaller and smaller fractions so now we're going to have more and more it just simply independent people who are micro businesses because we couldn't run a business utilizing independent contractors instead of employees so now we're just going to be one man show mm. and and we keep making rules that by virtue of the new system you're either within a big corporation or you're going to be a micro business. We right. we keep like breaking the glass, and the glass pieces are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I thought this really lent to that. Where mm. so there is this um, gentleman uh, out of uh, Ontario, California, Oscar Garcia, who's seen this need and trying to use um, business as a way to figure out a way how to fix it, and. Um, and it's the Hispanic market. So I knew the numbers were high, but I didn't know they were this high. According to um, research, the Hispanic market comprises nearly 60 million people in the U.S. Um, that's, a, that's a huge number. It's huge. Um, huge. Six, uh, 60 million. Um, and more. And so in Latin America, there are 600 million on, uh, I know. That's the, the kind of the, the round number. Mm -hmm. um, so you got this huge population that are Spanish speakers that have been to some degree neglected by the banking system right. for whatever reason, right? right? Because social e economic status, and they don't really understand the way the banking. Like I lived in the U.S. for thirty years. I, I would not imagine being able to use a different banking system in the U.S. I love it, right. but if you are haven't been trained by it, if you haven't grown up with it, it's hard to understand. And then there's all this high bar. Um, so here's the statistic. As a whole, 30% of the global population, it's unbanked. No bank. They have no bank account, no checking account, no savings account. Um, 
so that's, that's amazing that's but huge. you know it it's why we see payday loans and check cashing check check for cash places right. around in yeah. walmart you can go to walmart and pay your bills at walmart so some people are understanding that there's an underserved uh, um underserved market right like uh, there's not been a market that has been disenfranchised neglected, yeah. neglected and somebody's trying to take care of them right. right what's wrong with that nothing so so what does that mean so that's created opportunity for this microcredit loans which is interesting right um as a way to stimulate this 60 million people to be able to have an alternative to traditional banking well i thought what i when i read this article i was really it struck me when i read the the, the sentence that people are credit worthy at different levels and I, I thought as a business owner myself and somebody who's been in business um, independently for, for 30 years now, there are different levels of credit worthiness. But for, traditionally, it's been in or out. You either can get credit or you, you can't. And if you don't answer the question right on the application, you're not going to get it. And you've talked about the ratios many times on our program. Right. That if the ratios are not correct and, and all of the work that you do for larger companies to get them bankable to get to get them alone to so get somebody to look at them when you're not bankable so what ha you just you're out you're absolutely out and it he's working on viewing it not so much as a just a, a simply an in or out but viewing people as being credit worthy on different levels so the alternative to people who can't get loans is they go to these high interest um you know virtually virtually scam situations where you know they borrow two hundred dollars and they can't pay it the next week so they have to pay another fifty dollars to continue to borrow the two hundred fifty dollars and they keep back keep coming back each week and pretty soon they've spent you know four hundred dollars in fifty dollar increments to continue to borrow the first two hundred dollars that they borrowed because it's crazy you know so they get caught up and, and a lot of times they get caught up in that because they are uneducated or they don't understand the system and so having somebody come out to address this and take it from just an either or scenario and provide a middle where they can be banked, but maybe at different levels. So what do you think about this? Do you think this is um, good for the economy, bad for the economy? I think it's fantastic for the economy. Anytime we can open up more avenues and give people more options and give them particularly um, the Latino co community, um, I have have worked in the foreclosure, the wrongful foreclosure market for a number of years and have mm. seen what that did to the Hispanic community <clears throat> and really? um, how a lot of um, myth, myth, myths were perpetrated on the Hispanic community on how to prevent foreclosure. Um, we, for a period of time, we would see um, people going into the Hispanic community and identifying people who were about to be foreclosed, and they would tell them, "If if we just put you know five or ten other names on this on this title, we'll do grant deeds and we'll issue a whole bunch of grant deeds, then it will stop the foreclosure because all of these you know it'll just muddy the water." And in reality, that's not even near the case. The law doesn't care how many names are on the title. Mm -hmm. But what it did create a problem was is when there was surplus that were supposed to go back to the borrower, the original owner, there was so many people on title, all of those people were entitled to the surplus. Well, the way I see it, everybody wins. So you have somebody, you know, back to the entrepreneurial spirit, right? You see an opportunity, you're gonna go try to capitalize on it. You see this, you know, if you are an immigrant, in this case, a Hispanic immigrant, and you are, granted, you are of legal status, and mm -hmm. you're, you know, trying to do everything right and you see an opportunity like I did and you try to take advantage of it but you're not bankable you're going to have to find other resources but say you were able to find a source like this that allows you to give you the financing that you don't have you take you take advantage of the opportunity the opportunity becomes profitable you hire employees notwithstanding the fees that you're going to pay you continue to grow your business all of a sudden you're paying income tax while hiring people that are taking care of their families. Do you see the domino effect? Mm -hmm. So yes, the, the, the lender wins because mm -hmm. they have uh, uh, whatever the rate that they, and believe me, the, 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 the industry has been regulated now. 
Mm-hmm. It's not the Wild West that it used to be 20 Correct. years ago. But Correct. so it's a highly regulated industry, uh, which is it's it's good. And then, so they win because they provide something that is unmet by the banks for whatever reason. And then you have people taking advantage of opportunities with them in the marketplace. So they hire people, they generate revenue, they pay income taxes, the banks are happy, and there is a need in the market. Somebody is buying those services or products that, that are being produced. So it's it's a it's a domino effect in a good way. And I think that traditionally banks have looked at it that they would rather do five large loans than fifty small loans. And I think that this is kind of this is where he's going with it. Yeah. Is he's selling the idea of let's do a whole bunch of small loans. And then the default rates, if a small loan defaults, not so hurtful as when a big loan defaults. But the big criteria to get in the game is the big loans. I mean, that's always been the criteria. You had to be so bankable. You had ratios had to be this, that, and a third. And you had to just, you know, have all of, like you said, you you needed to go get the loan when you didn't need the loan. Right? <laughs> the traditional banking model the, is yeah. you look for it when you don't need it right. because when you need it, it's too late. Uh, but but think about it this way. if If you're, realizing that the only way you can get financing is through this avenue, like this company mm-hmm. and these microloans, do you think it would be wise that you keep a good relationship with them Absolutely. and you don't default in the payment? So, so if you if you can get any financing from them, you're done. Well, you're also giving a business more responsible. owner. Right. You're giving a business owner to start off with some training wheels. Let's do a little $3,000 loan. Let's do a little <laughs> $5,000 loan. Right. And then pretty soon as the, the person, and okay, this is how we do it. We, we pay it back and, you know, we, we it costs us X amount of dollars to get it. And, and you practice with it a little bit. And the next thing you know, you're ready to take on, you know, maybe that $100,000 loan or that $200,000 loan because you've set that track record with smaller increments to start with. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think um, the Hispanic community here in California, but not just the Hispanic community, the whole migrant community is is really likely to, to benefit from this. So there you have it. I mean, there's a lot of, um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in the artificial intelligence sector and what industries will be disrupted next. Right. Uh, there are several industries that are ripe for disruption. And, you know, let this be a word of caution for you as a business owner. Examine your industry and see if it can be disrupted because you may be disrupted. You know, who would have thought, you know, uh, that at the time Blockbuster was going to go away, you- right? Um, who would have thought, but it's gone now. So Netflix took it over. Um, you know, with the, the first, um, the first technology that we talked about, which was this, um, this AI technology that, that helps, um, monitor and, and understand your employee staff. That is a really good example of, um, artificial technology or artificial intelligence coming in this technology and not necessarily replacing someone, but adding what would be a person. Like if you could employ a person to go through your, your company on a day-to-day basis and, you know, consistently and continually um, interview your employees that you could have a bead on what was going on with the employees. um, This is a really, really great example of that. And I, I really am excited to see how this goes and, and to see more of this being um, available to smaller companies. Well, it's been a great show. Yep. Uh, Claudine, thank you so much. You, I left you in charge. You did such a wonderful oh, job. Thank, thank, thank you, you for the content. Thank you for our listeners. Uh, email us. You can email us. Go to our website. Uh, our website is www.greenlandhq.com. And you is www sharon-law.com s-h-e-r-r-o-n-law.com hopefully this was helpful to you i wish you a great weekend we'll talk next week bye-bye